Governor, you ever stabbed a man in the navel? You? Me? No. Well, stab a man in the navel, and that's all she wrote. The bleeding is so swift and severe, it wouldn't matter if Jesus himself put his healing hand on the wound. The bastard is dead. We have to gut the bitch in the belly. We all have to understand we're going to obliterate a life. Hello and welcome. Welcome and hello. This is Wait You Haven't Seen. And it's a show where we talk about movies and specifically a movie that one of us has never seen before. I'm your host, Travis, a.k.a. TV's Travis, and this is episode number 98. And our movie this week was The Contender from 2000. And joining me to talk about it, he's seen it before, but it was my first time, Tim Wilson, a.k.a. J. Dimes. J. Dimes, how you doing? Good, man. How are you? Thanks not for having too, me. Not too bad. So you brought this up. You had actually mentioned, what was it? It was this one and American President a few weeks back. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah, it was the yeah, other yeah, one. yeah. yeah. Um, so I'd never seen this movie before. I remember when it came out, like I remember marketing for it. I remember seeing ads for it. I never, it wasn't, I wasn't into political dramas and and political thrillers as much at that point, which is weird because I look back and I'm like, no, I really enjoyed murder at 1600, which Uh, is, uh, the general's daughter was another one that I really enjoyed. That's a political thriller. Another great movie. But for some reason, like right after high school and kind of early college, I just didn't care as much. And I'm actually kind of sad because this was really good. And I, I like to start off with the cast whenever possible. And holy hell, does this movie have a cast? Like every scene, somebody else would show up on screen and my notes, like half my notes are just, holy crap. It's, you know, whoever. Yeah. Because yep. Yep. you got Jeff Bridges playing the president. And I'm just going to call him President Jeff Bridges. I know he's got a different name. I can't think of it now. But he was great. Uh, I mean, yeah. I love Jeff Bridges anyway. But, like, he was just, he was so cool as the president. Um, he had, I, I can't describe, other than cool, how he was. And he's always eating, too, which Clinton. I thought was. He was. He, he was. he was Bill Clinton, yeah. By the way, did Bill Clinton have a cameo in this, or was it me? There's I don't a scene. Think he did. There's a scene where Sam Elliott is walking towards a helicopter and somebody comes in the other direction. And I swear to you, it was Clinton. He's, you, he's out of focus. You never see his, like, you never fully see him. But I'm like, that looks like, no, it couldn't. I don't know. It, it, I'll have to go back and watch it, it again. It, he, well, so I would say it's unlikely because that would have meant he would have had to film it while oh, he would he have been president. in office. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, then it probably wasn't. They mentioned Clinton, though, which I thought was interesting. Yeah. So, like, the movie's yeah. supposed to be sort of our world. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, you're right. That's a that's a good one. He was basically Bill Clinton. I Also, I love the, the quirkiness of, like, he's always eating something and he's always trying to trip up the guy, the, the, yeah. the kitchen. That was funny. Yeah. Just yeah. constantly coming up with more, more random stuff. And the thing that they don't have is Munster cheese at the end right, of the movie. Right, right. <laughs> he, um, he might have been a little JFK, too. Yeah, I could see a little bit of that in there. A little bit, yeah. the the um, The idealism of his mm-hmm. character, I think, is is more more JFK. The kind of the personality, I think, is probably more Clinton. Yeah, but I think the idealism 
is is probably a little bit more the mold of JFK than it is Clint. And he has that great speech at the end. I mean, the movie, you know, gives you that wonderful oh, thing yeah, where he walks great, into the yeah. house. Was that the house? It was everybody. It was like the house and the yeah, Senate. yeah, yeah. It would, yeah. So it, I think it would have had to been the house. I think the house has the chamber where everybody can fit. Okay. And he walks in there and he gives that super impassioned speech, and it was like it was. I mean, it was something else. It was so good. He's he's just he's great in this. Jackson Evans, that's his name. Um, which I did read that Barack Obama said he was his favorite fictional president. Ooh. So that's uh. I know it, it's it's definitely uh, Josiah Bartlett is my favorite TV TV president, but you know he's pretty good. He he might be my favorite cinema president. Okay, I can see that. But uh, I have yeah. a, I have a thing for Dave, but I love that movie. Okay, Kevin Klein's Kevin Klein yeah, was, yeah, yeah. was just so no, that's good. a good joint. But yeah, Jeff Bridges is President Jackson Evans. Like, what a way to start things off already. And then right. we'll, then you get uh, Gary Oldman is always a win like that dude he is a chameleon he really is like he he just embodies he becomes he's like daniel day lewis in that he becomes whatever role he's playing and so oh man so he's uh just as shelly runyon and he's the what he's leading the he's a republican leading the um confirmation hearings for right uh a new a new vice president. Well, not even the confirmation hearings. So, oh, the yeah, vice yeah, yeah. president is confirmed it, under the 25th amendment. The vice president is confirmed by the Senate. But there's this discussion about because the constitution is vague about the 25th amendment who actually runs the show. Mm-hmm. It's this whole um uh what are they there's a phrase that they use in the movie um like advising consent, yeah, something, 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 something like that, where he's kind of stuck his stuck his hand in there to to have a little control. Yeah, and basically, he's kind of got the deciding. He's the deciding factor, right? He's sort of yeah. got control over whether or not whoever Jackson Evans appoints is going to get confirmed, right? Um, yeah, and he's wormy, and he's like he's always sweaty. And he's yeah, got it, just horrid... he has an awful toupee. Oh, terrible! Like that toupee that they gave him for this movie is awful. <laughs> they were doing it him is no horrid. Help. No, no, no. But it's it's Gary Oldman, so he just you believe him as that person the whole time, and he's so good at what he's doing because he he steadfastly believes in what he's doing. And and Runyon just one hundred percent believes that no, this she is not the person who should be. The, the vice president it should be somebody else. And he kind of gets his comeuppance in a, in a real good way um, that I thought was uh, actually a brilliant move storytelling wise. And we'll kind of get into that a little yeah. bit later, but yeah, Gary Oldman just as always knocks it out of the park. Um, now I'm saving, I'm saving Joan Allen. I want to talk about her, but I want to give her uh kind of spotlight because she okay. was, she deserves that. Um, Christian Slater is Reginald Webster, the, the freshman, um, house of representatives. And he's, he, I do enjoy the scene, kind of his introduction where he's in the white house 
and he's going around looking at all the different portraits of the presidents. And I'm like, oh, okay. So he's our, without that scene right there told me everything I needed. It's like, okay, without a single line of dialogue, he's a young congressman or representative or whatever he is. He's, he's new to the game and he's very idealistic. And you got that just from the way he would look at all the, uh, the different presidential things. And then he has a great uh, exchange right away with Jackson Evans over the shark, uh, shark steak sandwich, which was another yeah. one of those funny moments. But I, I like Slater overall. And I think he was pretty good in this. He, he plays it pretty straight laced. There's not a lot of, uh, it's not like Gary Oldman playing, playing Shelley Runyon where there's a lot of character to work with. He's just a young congressman, but he was good. Oh yeah, they um they gave him they gave him enough to do, you know, he like he wasn't uh he wasn't like really a focus. Mm-hmm. But they gave him enough, you know, for it wasn't Krishna Slater just kind of being there as window dressing. Right. Like they they gave him they gave him a little bit to chew. Yeah, it's not stunt casting of any kind. Like he's he's got reason to be there. And he's given plot relevance too he's important to the plot you find out at the end that note he gives her on the basketball court um yeah is super important but can uh, i tell you that note been... drives me insane <laughs> that yes. note combined with the way the movie ends drives me insane it is definitely uh there's some hand waving going on there for sure um because we, we don't really, I mean, for the longest time, we don't know what the contents of the note are, but her reaction to it feels weird, doesn't it? To what it, to what it, it ends does. up being. When we finally find out it what does. it is. Um, oh, and uh, Sam Elliott, by the way. Oh, yeah, Sam never, Elliott is great. Ever, Kermit. ever. I will never get used to seeing him without facial hair. Like, I, I thought it was in his contract. He always had to have a mustache. And there he is, clean-shaven. I can think of one other movie really that I him. remember him is, is, is was um, We Were Soldiers with Mel Gibson. A few a couple of years after this, uh, he did, and he was clean-shaven in that. And it took me half that movie to realize who it was at the time. He just, he just Sam, looks weird without Sam a mustache. Sam Elliott is, is he, he chews, he chews up scenes. Oh, yeah. In, in this show. He like, really does. Like he gets to be the loud, bombastic one. He gets to yell a lot. Did you ever watch Justified? Have you ever seen that TV show? I have seen some of it. Yeah, not a ton, but I do know it. So, uh, in one of the seasons, Sam Elliott plays the big bad. He plays a guy named Avery Markham. Okay. And he just chews every every scene he's in. He just chews, and that's what he does in this movie. Like he just eats. He does. He it's re- um, and and you need that. You need somebody to do that. And since there isn't a, uh, like the antagonist is kind of wormy, and um, so he's not going to be the one eating scenery. So give it to give it to the next best, which is going to be Sam Elliott, and he just kills it. He and Kermit. Kind of what a great name is Kermit. In a different way. Yeah, he's a little swarmy in a different way, but um, he's he's very dedicated to the party. Right and, to, right. and to the administration. And he wants to make sure that nothing bad goes on with the administration. So he's right. going to protect that at all costs. Yeah. Plus Kermit. Do Kermit we ever establish if, is he, he, 
do they ever say that he's the chief of staff? It's never explicitly said. No, I just okay. assumed based on how close his relationship is with uh, with right. Jackson Evans, he's got to be chief of staff. Um, there was also, and this was kind of cool, like right in the opening scene, uh, William Peterson is Jack Hathaway, the the governor, right? Because so again, this is the second time I've watched this movie, and I mm-hmm. didn't remember that from the first time. And and he he's another one of those actors that I really enjoy and stuff, and then I don't, but I never see him in anything, and then he'll pop up, and I'm like, oh, it's William Peterson. Um, obviously, most people are going to know him from CSI because he was on that forever. Yep. Uh, this yep. would have been right. He would have probably filmed this before he started CSI, because that would that show started in 2000 as well. And okay. Yeah. What I liked about him is he as an actor does such a good job of coming off as kind of, um, I don't want to say innocent, but he's got a, uh, a quality about him that makes you want, always want to kind of like him. And then to have the swerve and find out what he did. um, (laughs) I, if I had a complaint about the story as a whole, it would be that that whole subplot wasn't fleshed out enough. Like I want that to be a whole movie. The whole idea of him paying somebody to fly off the bridge so he can rescue them idea to be its own movie because it's got, it's a, it's a really interesting opening. They hint at it at one point, the next, that one scene I'm like, Oh, okay. So something's nefarious here. Why was he fishing in that location type stuff? And then there's nothing again for another 45 minutes. And then he pops up, it pops up right at the end with the the whole thing of oh he paid her off, and and I think the reason I want more of that subplot is because okay now what's his reaction from here because holy crap that's got to be eating away at him that this woman died because right. I don't I'm I mean that wasn't the plan at all yeah so I don't I don't know how far like you looked into like the background on the movie but. Um, there is, there's always been some controversy about how the movie was edited, was cut. I heard a little um, bit about in, that. So, you know, Gary Oldman is one of the producers mm-hmm. of the movie and he took issue with the final cut of the movie, um, that the cut made it a little too partisan. Yeah. I guess more partisan than was the original the original idea. But I also wonder if the cut didn't remove some of the story about the FBI agent who's played by uh Catherine oh what is her last oh, name? Oh yeah. Catherine Morse. Mm-hmm. Uh, because like she popped up here or there. Like, you know, you'd get a little a little thing where she's doing this investigation, but you never quite you never know exactly what the string is mm-hmm. that she's pulling at. And I think if they had kind of explained a little more of that, like you get the idea, especially when she's talking to the, 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 uh, the hotel worker that there's something a little more amiss, mm-hmm. but like, we don't see anything else of the investigation. And so I think, I think that, could have kind of helped. I think so. Make it, that make that tie up a little better. 
Yeah, because it almost feels like it was a B plot that um, that really could have been its own. Like they couldn't decide which movie they wanted to make, so they sort of made both. They have because right. you've got everything going on with uh, with Joan Allen and as Lane Hansen and her confirmation, and then you've got this other kind of thriller thing with the with um, Hathaway, and I kind of like either one could have carried an entire movie, and they sort of one got sacrificed for the other because. Obviously, if otherwise you're going to have like a four hour movie and nobody's going to watch that, right? Um, but it just at least I would watch the three hour cut of this movie. Oh, I would have for sure, but yeah, I have no problem sitting down for a three hour movie. I'm <laughs> I know I'm in the minority there, but I, I just that was my only complaint. It's like, oh, I want to know, I want more of that. And part of it is William Peterson, I just want him on screen more. So if yeah. you're going to have more of that subplot, you're going to get more of him in there, and maybe we get to see because his reaction at the end when they you know they bring out the FBI and they're like hey you're under arrest for for all of this he barely reacts to anything and i just feel like there w- there should have been more there so you you know what was interesting about that scene is when they open the door and he's walking out and the FBI director is i can't remember if he was in front or behind mm-hmm. but there's a look that the wife gives and she knows it she knows exactly what happened you yeah. can like see it in her face. She's not surprised at the fact that it's taken this turn. Like she's yeah. in on it. Well, and um, that's yeah, that and that's sort of established in her only other scene where he comes home right, yeah, and she's yeah, just yeah, yeah. dressing she him down it. for not doing more. And yeah, like so again, there's that subplot stuff where it's like that could have been fleshed out more and given us more. Yep. So it's almost mm-hmm. like what would have been cool to see is and oftentimes I talk about uh, movies that would be great as a series. I don't know that a series would work for this, but make another movie and tell that story. Yeah. It and, could have been a limited series. They could have given us six episodes yeah. of uh, of an HBO HBO style show. That could have worked. Yeah. Oh, oh, sure. I mean, and I wouldn't complain about that at all because th- this was just great. Uh, I mean, I just want more William Peterson. Like, I just, yeah, I yeah. just wanted he, more of him. He he really should have been on screen a little more. And um, Saul Rubinek is Jerry Tolliver. I love Saul Rubinek. He's just he's always the same character. He was the um like the press secretary. Uh, yes, 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 yes. He's he's basically always that guy. But I don't care. He's he's great at that. Recognized him, but I couldn't figure out what else I knew him from. He pops up a lot in TV. Um. He did an episode of Psych. He did an episode of, uh, I think, Stargate SG-1. And he almost always, when he does a guest spot like that, it seems like I always see him playing either a writer or a director or a producer of, and it'll be an episode of a show where they're making a show or they're making a movie. No, I know what I know him from. Uh, Warehouse 13. Oh, yep. That's, that is one. I forgot about that. Um. Yeah, I mean, he's, again, he he's playing that same type of character that he always plays, but he's fine as it. Um, and then Philip Baker Hall as Oscar Billings. It was another one where I did read that um, that was uh, Joan Allen's father. He's got his one yeah, scene where yeah, he's playing yeah. tennis. He's another one of those guys. I love seeing him on screen. He's always fun. He's always got just, just something about his attitude. But he... Um, there was apparently more subplot with him where he's like, he was a corrupt, uh, a, a little bit of a corrupt uh, uh, governor 
and used mm-hmm. money and influence to get her her first uh, kind of win her her first election. And oh. they ended up cutting. Apparently, they ended up cutting that in part because it would have been difficult to have her reconcile like the nepotism of that with her confirmation, given how strongly she's supposed, she's supposed to have her convictions and all this stuff. So they, they ended up cutting right. that. Um, but his one scene is super fun. Cause he's sitting there. I love how he's just hitting the tennis balls and he asked uh, his grandson, <laughs> you know, how do you know that? And it's like, well, baby Jesus put the top spin on it. And he's like, what? And he has to come over and sit down with him. And it's just, I don't know. There's something about, there's something about him as a grandfather that just kills me. He's so good at it. But, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's just cast top to bottom is so good. Even the, the small, the small roles, but we haven't talked about it all yet. And look, uh, Jeff Bridges got nominated for an Oscar for best supporting actor in this movie. Gary Oldman should have, and it's a crime that he didn't. Um, yeah. Slater was great. Elliot was great. Peterson was was good for his limited time on screen. But Joan Allen blew them all out of the water. Joan Allen as yeah. Lane Hansen in this just kills it. She is so good. And she was up for Best Actress that year. And you know who she lost to at the Academy Awards? No, Ju- who was it? Julia Roberts for Aaron Brockovich. Any other Ooh, year. That's tough. I know. That's tough. Any other year, Joan Allen wins that hands down. Yeah, sometimes you just have bad. I always say that about Denzel. Like, I feel like there were a couple years where he should have won. And I think he lost to Tom Hanks twice. I yeah. think the year he lost for Malcolm X and the year he lost for Hurricane were both running into, like, Tom Hanks movies. And sometimes you just got bad. Yeah. Bad, bad pull. Yeah, but, man, Joan, like, so Lane Hansen is a senator. She gets, she's being appointed as um the new vice president uh she's just so good that they they want to bring up stuff about her past and she refuses to talk about it and what's great is the way the movie is structured the whole movie they do not tip their hand about whether or not these things actually happened right just assumed that the the sexual escapades that she's being drugged through the mud with happened and she refuses to talk about them. So it doesn't help that the first time we see her, she's uh, having sex on a on a desk in her office. True, true. Granted, it's her husband. I mean, do what you do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I thought that was an interesting way to introduce her in the movie. It is, but it's also like it's a great way to set up the character because her personal life is her personal life. And she's very, very adamant yeah. about yeah, that. yeah. yeah. And about it being no one's business, what she does in her personal life. And that's her whole reasoning throughout the movie, why she will not comment on this stuff. Isn't whether she did it or not. It's that it's my personal life. It doesn't matter. And if it was a man, nobody would be asking about it. And that's the center, the central argument in the whole movie. The latter, the latter, the latter more true. People can make the argument about, where the boundaries of one's personal life really lies for politicians. Mm -hmm. But the second part of that is absolutely true. Yeah. That if it was a woman, I mean, if it was a man, nobody would care. Yeah. And, and the fact that, you know, that's her driving force is like, it shouldn't matter. And that's why I'm not going to dignify it. It's below, it's beneath me to dignify that 
because the question should never be asked in the first place. Yep. As the movie went on, I got that more and more, and it made so much more sense. And then she just got better and better. And there's that scene in the movie, and it's just her and Jeff Bridges and Sam Elliott, and they're sitting in the room talking. And when it ends with um, Jackson Evans is standing there, he's wearing his West Point sweatshirt, he's trying to tell her, like, look, this is what we need to do. And she knows that she she has a choice, and she basically says, look, I, I shouldn't have to do this, but I'll do whatever. You need me to like that. The, her acting in that scene is so good and so powerful. Like you can just, there's so much emotion going on in there. It's the same one where you've got Sam Elliott chewing up scenery and yelling and screaming. And uh, Jeff Bridges is yelling in the background at one point where they, they mentioned. Oh yeah. Sitting he lets routine. out that howl. Yeah. <laughs> he lets out that howl. Um, yeah. It's, it's, she's a hundred percent right. The entire the entire time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 100%. The, the, the only thing that they got on her is the fact that she and that she had that she had an affair with her husband before while he was still married. Yeah. Um, which I thought was very interesting. The adultery thing. I had never thought about that, um, you know, even in real life. But it's 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 really only adultery for the one side. It's only adultery for the person who's married. You know, yeah. she's having an affair, but he's the one committing adultery. Um Yeah, she uh she's great. Which well, I mean, I I liked Joan Allen anyway. I remember, but she was always, you know, a secondary character or I remember her in Face Off and I liked her in that. Yes. Um, yes. But it was always kind of she, that you know, She's she was... never really gotten to play characters where she, where she was a sexual character. No, even in Face Off, she wasn't. She kind of was, but kind of not. It was kind of just like the. She was the 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 good smart wife at home. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like Gina Gershwin's character was like the sexy wife, and yeah. she was kind of like the opposite. Um. I mean, not that her husband didn't find her attractive, but like there was nothing like she, she they didn't try to make her like the sexy wife. Right. They didn't play that up like they do in, right. in some other stuff. But, you know, I, I'd always liked her in things. And then watching her in this and it's just it's a powerhouse acting performance. She's killing it. She's bringing a ton of emotion. But the character of Lane Hansen is so she's she's smart. She's driven and she knows what needs to happen. And the the way that things end is really interesting because she refuses. She has so many opportunities to do what we as an audience expect a politician to do. You know, at one point, Shelley Runyon's wife, the, the man that's trying to stop her from becoming the vice president, his wife comes to her and says, look, you know, yeah. this isn't right. Gives her that ammunition of he's going to bring up abortion tell him you know look him in the eye and say what what would you say to your wife of having had an abortion and the fact that he doesn't know about it so she's got this bullet in the gun and doesn't use it doesn't because it's it. because it's not it's not her it's not who she is and it's, it's just oh one thing after another <laughs> the sad, the the sad thing i i feel like about the result of this performance is that it didn't seem to lead her 
to better roles? Um, I mean, after this, she did The Mists of Avalon. I liked her in the Born, the two Born sequels. Uh, yeah, I mean, she Lane. was good in those. But I don't think, like, it didn't lead to, like, anything where I felt like she should, like, where she would have gotten nominated for another That's true. another Oscar. Like, is... you know, you clearly see her in a role where, like, if there had been questions about how how far she could stretch as an actress, like, those really should have been answered at that point. And it and it didn't it didn't um it didn't result in anything extra. She and, and Rod Lurie wrote this wrote this role for her. Like yeah. the via, the movie was a vehicle for her specifically. Yeah, I read um, that. Which I thought was pretty but, cool. But uh she kind of yeah, transitioned into sort of the with especially with the Pam Landy character in the Bourne, she did three different Bourne movies with that character, but she sort of transitioned into that like uh upper level woman with power type of character in a lot of stuff. Yeah. And completely forgot she did a voice in the Elder Scrolls Skyrim. Yeah, I, I saw that. I was surprised about the, that. That I thought that was interesting. She also did a show on ABC back in 2016 called The Family, which was another kind of political uh, drama. She plays a uh, Republican mayor trying to run for governor. In Maine, and with a very, with a very odd family dynamic going. It only the show only lasted for a season, but it was I, I really enjoyed the show and was kind of sad that it didn't get a second season or at least enough episodes to properly tie up the uh, the storyline. Hmm. That's too bad. Sometimes though, with TV stuff, you just you don't have that control. You know, I yeah, wonder, no. you know who she reminds me a little bit of, or or I feel like have similar kind of screen presence is um, Connie Nielsen. Yeah. Yeah. And She's it, a better actress than Connie Nielsen. But I yeah. think so. I think so. But I think part of it, and look, this, we can go all night talking about Hollywood and politics and Hollywood, but I feel like if Joan Allen had been 10 years younger at the age of Connie Nielsen, a lot of the Connie Nielsen roles might have gone to her or she would have been in the running for. And, you know, unfortunately, by the time she does this movie, she's she's older and unf- and that's that's a that's a whole Hollywood thing that I don't really want to go down that rabbit hole because right. it shouldn't matter. But to a lot of people, it does. Um, but I, I do think they kind of occupy the same sort of space. You're right. Joan Allen is a better actor than Connie Nielsen, but I think you could have seen them almost interchangeable in roles. So yeah, I, but I just, I can't, I can't say enough how good she was in this movie. Like, and, and this is, this is on top of at that point, cause it was really that scene in the oval office that did it for me and kind of cemented how good she was. And I had already just been blown out of the water by Sam Elliott, by Jeff Bridges, by Gary Oldman. And then she comes in here and just like, Hold my beer. <laughs> I'm going to show you some acting now. I that was a good scene. I think my favorite scene, though, is at the end when she's sitting with Jeff Bridges mm-hmm. and she's telling that story. She does so many different things throughout the course of telling that story, like from an expression and an emotion 
standpoint. Oh, yeah. Like, she kind of has to go from reluctant storyteller to kind of she throws in some jokes there and then Mm -hmm. she brings it back kind of around to a serious to a serious note um yeah i think that that was a scene that uh well and what's funny is that was going to be the next scene i brought up for her like that was the (laughs) other one so you're you're totally you're same page like what cemented it for me was that scene in the middle and then the end of the movie, I'm like, oh, gee, and now she's going to have another one. And it's just, again, I love scenes like that where it's just a couple of actors just getting to be great at their craft. And it's her and Jeff Bridges sitting on the South Lawn. You know, it starts off very jovial and you you really get this feeling of accomplishment. And by the end of it, she's like, I'm not going to do this. Like, I'm not going to. I'm I'm not going to accept the the nomination or whatever, whatever it was. And how that that whole thing ends, like, God, it's just this movie had some twists in it that I didn't expect. Maybe I should have, I don't know, but it, it definitely went in directions I wasn't prepared for in a good way. Like, I yeah. I can't believe I didn't see this movie for twenty years, and how you know how timely is it right now that we just had an inauguration with the first ever female vice president, right? You know, four and days I think ago. that's why it came up. I think we were talking about that maybe uh, in our last conversation. And that might've been why I brought the movie up. I think you brought Uh, it up there and I didn't realize because I, I honestly went for this over American president because I like the cast in this more than I like, you know, Michael Douglas and uh, was it Michelle Pfeiffer? No, it's uh, Michael uh, Douglas and, um, Oh, um, Annette Bening. Yes. Yeah. I oh American American the American president is one of my favorite movies. Oh, it's wow. probably my favorite political movie. Hmm. Um it but it doesn't it it doesn't hit the notes the contender does. From from a rewatchability standpoint, I think the American president is is a movie that you could you would sit down and just rewatch on a Saturday afternoon if it was on. Okay. Um I don't know that the contender has that, oh, this is a movie I want to sit down and rewatch, but it's definitely a movie that hits better notes. I can than, Okay. Than Having not American seen Party. The American President either. Um but but I can kind of based on what I have heard about it, I can see see that. But this it, I think of the two, we made a, a really good choice here, and yeah, it is. is it, but I didn't realize that she was uh, that that the the Joan Allen character was coming up for vice president. So as I'm okay. watching it today, and I was like, "Oh, this is even more poignant now than than I would right. have thought." So yeah, it's just oh, there's it's great because I I'm realizing how much I enjoy political thrillers, and what this one does that I that I like is that it keeps you guessing. A good thriller should keep you guessing anybody's um, motivation. No, but buys like, and consent was the term that they used for the House. Okay. Um, committee. I actually wrote that down in my notes, and I didn't even realize it until a minute ago. I looked over at my notes, and I was like, "Oh, I wrote that term down." Well, and what I like is, you know, a good thriller should keep you guessing in everybody's motivations and right. and where they're coming from. And I liked that they did that here because they set up the beginning of the movie. 
Jackson, or um, not Jackson Hathaway, uh, Hathaway, William Peterson's character, literally diving into the water to save this woman whose car goes off a bridge. He's set up to be a really good guy. And throughout the whole movie, you sort of, there's one, granted, he doesn't have a ton of scenes, but there's one scene that maybe makes you think something's not right. But the fact that they then don't bring it up for a while, you sort of forget about that. And they're able to kind of pull that one on you right at the end. Um, But at one point, you know, I'm thinking maybe something's going to come out with President Jackson Evans. And it never did. Like, they they didn't go that route, but they had me thinking that maybe it could. Or maybe Kermit has some dirt on somebody that he's going to use. You just never knew what was going on. And I like that. I like that it kept me guessing. It kept me wondering what was going to happen right until the end. And even the way it ended wasn't what I anticipated. And you know, something else as it goes to uh, motivations, the whole relationship with Runyon and um, and Evans, where it looks like maybe Evans beat him in the... Yeah, well, yeah, I don't know yeah. if he beat him in the presidential race or or what, but there's something there. There was some they 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 kind of hint at it, mm-hmm. but they never say specifically what it was. Um, yeah, which again I I appreciate. Like you don't have to you don't have to lay everything out. Like not calling right. Kermit the chief of staff, but you kind of get that idea. Right. Yeah, there was something there between Runyon and, and Evans, and they never fully flesh it out, but there's definite animosity there, which is why I think Evans ends up setting him up the way that he does, which was another, like, that scene, that last scene in the Oval Office was a lot all at once, because you get the you get the reveal of Hathaway, and you get Runyon being like, what the hell is going on here? I didn't know about any of this, and Evans is just like, yeah, I know, but... And it's funny because the FBI director is so not there for the theater of the moment. No, he's not at all. <laughs> like, yo, you gotta go. Like he's. It, it's funny because I feel like he's like you know he's not feeling well. He's been coughing mm-hmm. every time we see him in the movie, right? And he's like, "Yo, I really need to go home and lay down. So let's <laughs> let's get this going." I don't even know who the guy is that played the president. It's it, it's funny that like. On Wikipedia, when you look at the cast, mm-hmm. uh, Catherine Morris is listed as the FBI special agent. Um, but we don't know, like they don't list whoever the whoever the FBI director was. Oh, I, I don't the know actual director. Yeah, I'm not sure yeah. either. I, I feel like I've is, seen him but, uh, in something else, but but yeah, like he's he's there to read him his rights, and he's like, uh, I I think the governor knows what his rights is, and he's like, okay, and then he wants to take it. It like, doesn't oh, work that way. You no. can't just make, like yo, he knows he knows what <laughs> no, his rights can't. is. Like no, he's got to read them. Like he's got he's he, he gotta you gotta tell him. Yeah. Oh. Um. But man, that whole scene, and then when when Jeff Bridges sits down, and he's like, "Yeah, well, you know, I'm I'm uh, I'm guilty, but I'm not responsible, or whatever it was." And they throw that one. Yeah, back he pulls on that him. back. Yeah. So it was a nice callback. Like the whole thing was just. It was. It was. It reminded me of. I I can't put it at the level of like an Aaron Sorkin type of script because I don't think it's quite that good. Yeah. The dialogue is not quite as snappy. No, that's it. As, it's like, it's like as, a rung as, below as Sorkin that. would have done it. Yeah. Which but is it, what you would have gotten with the American president. You would have gotten 
the snappier dialogue. Okay, yeah. Um, but he but, doesn't do he doesn't do the seriousness. Like the seriousness of this would be like Sorkin in A Few Good Men. Okay, yeah. Right. There's not a lot of comedy in it. There's not a lot of like comedy in A Few Good Men. It's it's snappy dialogue that is serious, which is more what this is. This is the serious, not necessarily the snappy dialogue that you get. But um, he does he does lighten things with, and some of that is Jeff Bridges, but the, the way Jackson Evans is where he's always got food, he's always offering people cookies. Yeah. The, the food actually plays a pretty big part in a lot of scenes. There's the, the scene with um, Joan Allen and Gary Oldman where they meet for lunch, and he's trying to get her to oh, yeah. order a steak, and she's like, I don't eat meat. Not only did he, did he try to get her to, or, he ordered her the steak. Right, yeah, Like, he yeah. did, like, what is, like, if if you just wanted to know, like, how terrible a person this dude is, is that, one, she's late, right? And he's like, well, you were running a little late, so I went on. And it's like, no, you didn't order when she was late. Like, you ordered before it was time for her to get there because you're eating your food already. Well, yeah, he even mentions like a minute or two late, and he's into right. his—he's he's already eating. halfway through his steak. Like, so. yeah, no, like that. No, you. This was a setup, and he ordered her a steak. Mm-hmm. And you know, here's the funny, like here, here, like just like like digging into it. Here's a guy who has turned this woman's life upside down. Mm-hmm. Do you think he doesn't know she's a vegetarian and doesn't eat meat? Right. Oh, totally. He he, 100% knows that. Like, yeah, that whole, oh, it was great. That was, that was a good scene. It was another one of those where it's just two people acting and it's, and, and it's two people that are masters at their craft doing it because Gary Oldman. The last thing you want is a woman with her finger on the button who's not getting laid. Yeah. <laughs> that was a great line. That That's really, a great line. Really was. No, it's just, oh, there's so many of those good scenes in here. And yeah. We were talking a little bit pre-show about Rod Lurie and how we're kind of surprised he didn't do more. But yeah, Rod. So Rod Lurie wrote and directed this. And looking over his credits, I mean, he's got 19 directing credits, but there's a good number of shorts and and TV stuff that he's done. I'm kind of surprised that he didn't do more kind of Hollywood films. Um, he really he did this. He did The Last Castle, which um, great movie. Yeah. Great movie. Then he kind of didn't do anything um, for a few years. Resurrecting the Champ was the next thing he did like five years later. Is that the movie with Meg Ryan in it? I believe so. Sam Jackson. uh, Sam Jackson, Josh Hartnett. um, Oh, no. Meg Ryan wasn't in that. Catherine Morris is in that. Yeah. Um, And then he did a lot of TV stuff. I, she was I I like her. She was good in this. I can't think um, of her from he, something else. He did just head, do but. the oh she was in Cold Case like she was oh, on Cold Case for a okay. long time. I've watched a little. Uh, bit of He Cold did Case, just but. do the Outpost, which is supposed to be very good. I have not watched it yet, but it's the um, the is it Orlando Bloom like the uh, the war movie? Oh yeah, okay. It's on Netflix now. I might have to check that out. Scott Eastwood, Caleb Landry Jones, and Orlando Bloom. Caleb Landry Jones. Why do I know that name? Oh, I've seen him in some stuff. He okay. That's why he was um, 
Banshee in X-Men First Class. That's what I remember him from. Okay. So he's in that. All right. I mean, based off this movie, I would watch other Rod Lurie st- uh, stuff. Like, he clearly knows how to write and direct. I don't you know saw why. The Last Castle, right? Yes, but it's been a long time. I think I saw it when it came out or shortly after. So, yeah. Uh, if you I mean, can find Commander-in-Chief streaming somewhere, that was that's definitely series. worth... Yeah, that's definitely worth watching. Yeah, that um, one... That's what, 2005? Wow. Okay, yep. It's got uh, Gina Davis... Donald Sutherland. Wow. He also did this show Line of Fire, which I vaguely remember, but it didn't make it past the first season. Huh. He does a lot of political stuff, I'm noticing. Political drama. Yeah. And, I mean, hey, if if it's what you know, you know, write what you know, do work on the things that you you get, so it makes sense. Oh, he like he's the... done a fair amount of television director, like just directed episodes of TV. Yeah, and he did uh, the Straw Dogs remake in 2011. Yeah, I haven't seen that. He wrote and directed that. That I didn't hear very good things about. But part of that is people were comparing it to the Sam Peckinpah Straw Dogs, and like, that's not fair. I mean, that'd be that like somebody... movie has a lot of people in it. Yeah, James it does. Martin, Kate Bosworth, Alexander Skarsgård. James Woods. Dominic Purcell. Laz Alonzo of The Boys fame. Oh, yeah. And see, James Woods, that's enough to make me not watch a movie. (laughs) Fair. I know what you mean. I'm not even talking about the political stuff with him. Just like the dirty old man of him. Yeah. Um, You know what I do like him in, though, is The Specialist. Have you ever watched that? Oh, wow. It's been a while. Sylvester Stone and Sharon Stone. Yeah. So Sylvester Stallone and Sharon Stone. He's really good in that. I watched uh, John Carpenter's Vampires back in October, and he's in that. And that's a good role for him because he's supposed to be smarmy and, and kind of a dick. And it, it well, works. He doesn't have to. Strong very well. Yeah, he doesn't have to stretch very much as an actor. Um, James Woods would have been very good in Gary Oldman's role if they hadn't used Gary Oldman. Ooh, I like that. He would have been because he would have been a good foil for Joan Allen. They like the, the now the scene over lunch plays out very differently, right? Because of like right. Woods is a more more of the um, alpha male type. He's going to be a more uh, demonstrative figure as opposed to the way Oldman plays uh, Shelley Runyon. But yeah, that would have been, huh? Now you've got me thinking about that. I kind of want to see that movie. <laughs> Because, you know, I, I sometimes do that. I wonder who would make, you know, who would play these different characters in different ways. Like, I can't see anybody else playing Jackson Evans at this point. Jeff Bridges is just, he's too much Jeff Bridges. Um, Yeah. And, but I could have seen, um, I could have seen Gina Davis playing uh, the lead in this. Yes, that I could see. Absolutely. Um. Because Gina Davis is another one that has that same kind of presence, and you really you buy what what she's doing, as long as it's not Cutthroat Island. Um, but, yeah, I could see that. Gina Davis would have been good. It's hard. So we've got James Woods playing Shelley Runyon. Uh, 
who who other than Sam Elliott though could be Kermit? Who who other than Sam Elliott could you see play a character whose name is Kermit and you take him seriously? I guess is a better question. That's that's t- um I could have seen Tim Robbins in that role. Ooh, you're good. That's a good one. Cuz that um, man Tim Robbins is one of those guys that I feel like gets under underappreciated. You ever see the movie Antitrust? A long time ago. With So if if that version of Tim Robbins I think he could have played Kermit, but I also think he could have played Shelley Runyon. Yeah, okay. He had right. this kind of like this kind of weird um I like I idealism mm-hmm. thing going that uh that I think could have worked. Hmm. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, I love Tim Robbins. Like he's my favorite part of he's the one of the few reasons that I can rewatch Mystic River because that movie is rough. But him and Kevin Bacon make me able to rewatch that movie. Yeah, I never rewatched that movie. I saw it one time and I never It's not an easy movie. Morgan Freeman is in that movie too, isn't he? Uh, I don't think Doesn't he, he play is. Mystic River. That's 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 the one with the little with the little girl, right? Yeah, Sean Where they're Penn. looking for yeah, at the end of the movie, who's they take that girl back to a family, right? No, in the or, movie, no, she's... no, no. Morgan Freeman was the sh- like the sh- he was a cop, wasn't he? No, like no, the no. Chief that was police? Lawrence Fishburne. You're thinking of was like uh, his partner. That's, that's what that was uh, Kevin Bacon's partner. Was Lawrence Fishburne? I don't know why I thought Morgan Freeman was in that movie, and I can see him in the movie, <laughs> but apparently he was not. I mean, maybe unless, I'm thinking of a different movie. Yeah, unless something's changed since I watched it in uh, like beginning of last year, because I watched it for this show at the beginning of last year. I mean, it would make sense. It's a, it's an Eastwood movie, and him and Eastwood did a lot of work together. But I don't believe he is in that. He's definitely not in the main, the main cast. Um, but yeah, I mean, the contender. Like, if you haven't seen the contender you should really watch it because it's not, it's not a depressing movie. It's got an uplifting message. Um, mm-hmm. And it, it's got this uplifting message of like, if you do things the right way, good things can happen to you. And it's, it's really, I think the, the way it plays with expectations is something that I appreciate about it. And it makes me want to watch it again because throughout the entirety of the movie, you're not quite sure. Did she do what they're saying she did? Did she not? She won't talk about it. And then when she comes out, on the lawn and says, you know, look, it it never happened, but I'm not going to take the nomination because I can't do that. Like she's got these principles and that's enough where the next day she's off, you know, running in Arlington cemetery and overhears the, the announcement from the president that he's still going to do it and basically wants him to confirm her right away type of thing. Little Hollywoodish, but I, I really liked uh, just the overall message. It, it does get hand wavy at the end. There's some stuff that I feel like could have been fleshed out or touched on a little bit more. Um, the the letter is probably chief among those where she's feeling defeated. 
Christian Slater shows up, hands her this letter, and the way they structure it as she's reading it is like it's the devastating thing that's going to end everything. But it wasn't. It's it's quite the opposite, really. So here's another issue I have with those letters. Mm-hmm. People have just been dropping stuff off at newspapers <laughs> and websites this entire movie, right? Yeah. And at the end, these two guys decide that instead of doing what everyone else has done, they're just going to send it to Congress. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a little little strange. I guess I I guess the 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 benefit of writing it that way is that it still gives her the option of not not addressing it. Mm-hmm. But I I feel like it it just doesn't fit the rest no. of the way that they've really done stuff. It kind of doesn't. Like in reality, they're going to leak that to the press. And she's gonna ha- she's gonna almost be forced to acknowledge one way or the other, and like if it's it not- also leads me to an issue I have with Christian Slater's character. Like, listen, if you really want to be a stand up person, you leak it. Y'all have leaked the other stuff. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Leak that. Given that you know he has the turn of the change of heart because he realizes that things aren't quite what he thought he was signing up for. Because he is the young idealistic one, right? He's the right. he's the naive one. Um, so there's there's that part of it too. the The other thing was this is like very early days internet news, so nobody's taking anything on the internet seriously at all. Um, and I thought that was interesting. A couple of filmmaking things I did want to talk about too, because I, I noticed these watching it. I really really like this. Number one is camera movements in this were interesting because. You'd have a lot of scenes where it was locked off cameras or it was very fluid movements. But conversations almost always were shot in a way where the camera was in between everybody and handheld. And it gave you that feeling like you're sitting in the room with them. And I love movies that do that. I really like that when you have a dialogue heavy thing and it's people sitting on, you know, sofas across from each other and the camera just plops itself down in between them and they shoot it in a way where you just feel like you're another person sitting in that room with them. Um, yeah, I, I really like that. That was another thing that made me think of Aaron Sorkin type stuff. Cause a lot of things that he writes, it seems like they get directed that way. Um, when often. Runyon is running that, um, that kind of planning meeting for how they are going to bring her down. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's the scene where that guy makes the, the comment. Have you ever gutted? Yeah. Yeah. What, what did he say? Gut a pig or, um, stab a man in the navel, stab a man in the navel. That, that scene like you get that handheld scene. I, I feel like where like you're kind of, it makes you feel like you're kind of sitting behind a couple of characters Yep. in the conversation. Yeah. yeah. And then there's another one and it's when she's doing her television appearance. And so leading up to it, they're talking about, Oh, she doesn't have a monitor. They're getting her in makeup and all of this to sit down and, and do that live on whatever show it was supposed to be. I love the way that scene was done because most movies are going to shoot that scene. And as soon as she goes live, now we're going to get sort of the two shot. It's like, we're watching it on TV and we're watching her conversation. We don't get that at all. Not only do we not get that, we only get her half of the dialogue while she's talking to this guy over a satellite link up. So we are essentially part of her staff at that point. Right. Yeah. We get that. We get that scene 
inside the room mm-hmm. of the staff that are watching her. And sometimes we get that scene looking at the monitor that yep. they have in the room, not even necessarily through the eyes of someone looking at her directly. Yeah, and so I liked that because it made that scene more powerful as they're freaking out and frantically trying to get yeah. more information because they only see half of it. And I really like that. And then they're running down the halls, they're looking for the control room and all of that, and it's a, it's a total ambush. And that slowly, like something about the way that was structured, I was just like, that's a that was a brilliant choice by Rod yeah. Lurie as a writer and a director to do it that way because it gave that scene more punch. Um, I think so. Yeah, look, this is a good movie, and I can't believe I slept on it for twenty years. Like this movie's been out for <laughs> twenty years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, like I said, uh, it was up for two Academy Awards. It didn't win either one, but Jeff Bridges lost out to. Uh, God, I can't remember who it was that year in 2001 for Best Supporting Actor. But Joan Allen, you know, just happened to be this. Oh, uh, he lost out to Benicio Del Toro. That's who it was for Traffic. Uh, that's a movie I I, uh, I feel a kind of way about. <laughs> I have not watched Traffic since I saw it in theaters. I don't. I've never felt that that movie is as good as people make it out to be. Nor is it as good as it should be for the cast that it had. Well, and that was the thing is it was, I mean, that's Soderbergh, right? So he was, he actually had two movies that year because he did Aaron Brockovich too. And he, he's really good with ensemble cast, but having not, I haven't seen that movie in 20 years, so it's hard for me to say, but I remember liking it when I first saw it. And then by the time the Oscars rolled around thinking, well, maybe, but like, I don't know, but I hadn't seen this movie, so I couldn't have said anything about Jeff Bridges at the time. It may have been the only one of the nominees that I saw that year in terms of like Best Supporting Actor. So, no, I take that back because I saw Shadow of the Vampire as well, and I thought that Willem Dafoe as Max Shrek was great. Saw Gladiator also. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. Joaquin Phoenix was up for it that year. Um, He didn't win, but Russell Crowe did. So, yeah, 2000 was a pretty decent year for movies when you look back at it. You know, that, I look, looking at that list, I don't know how Benedicio Del Toro beat Joaquin Phoenix. The only thing I can think of is that um, they all, like people were already voting for Best Picture and Best Actor, and they wanted to go in a different direction for Supporting Actor. Because Del Toro's good in traffic. He's probably, from my memory, my favorite of the... Because traffic was what, like three or four different kind of plots all going at once? Yeah. Yeah. And he was, Del Toro was in my favorite of the plots. And I love Benicio Del Toro. So, you know, I'm not going to complain that he won an Oscar. But, you know, then I look back at it and I think about how good Joaquin Phoenix was as Commodus in Gladiator. And it's hard. It's hard to, it is hard to imagine. But I, I can, given that, that, Gladiator was kind of sweeping a bunch of other things. I kind of can see where they're like, okay, so we've given Gladiator this and that, and I'm going to vote in this direction here type of thing. Yeah, fair enough. But, yeah, uh, I mean, I just, I can't get over every scene in The Contender and me just being like, oh, this actor's in it too. I I love when a movie does that. I mean, I'm going along, it's like 25 minutes in, and Philip Baker Hall shows up, and I'm like, he's great. (laughs) He gets one scene, but he's awesome. Like, I just, I love that. 
and and when those people showed up, they all had they all had good scenes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's no wasted actors in this. Like sometimes you'll get a casting, and it's like, why did you cast him? Whether it's a stunt casting thing that's more than a cameo, or they cast just like a good actor but in a role that doesn't make sense for them. This everybody fit to me. So Catherine Morris in this is the FBI agent. Mm-hmm. Everything they gave her was good. Like she only pops up three or four times, you know, but like the the conversation she has with the lady in the hotel. Yep. Where she's like really doing like the interrogation, the golf course, and then that great the great scene she has with um with Sam on that tarmac. <laughs> That's a good getting one. Into the helicopter. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, she 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 was she was really good in it too. Yeah, there, yeah, there was there was there was no one bad, no one wasted. No, not at all. Even even smaller roles like uh, Robin Thomas was William Hansen, Lane's husband, and yeah. I liked him because the character knows what it, like that character knows what it's like to be married to a senator. And so when they're like, hey, we need you to, to sort of be scarce. And she's like, no, no, no. And he goes, no, I, I get what he's saying. That's fine. We'll do that. We'll go that route because it makes... let him slug Kermit. Yeah, that could have been. They they got close. They got close. Yeah, I, yeah he should have punched Kermit in the face. Uh, I think in a different movie that probably happens. <laughs> you know, I think I think in an Aaron Sorkin movie that might happen. He might actually punch him. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just, I mean... I, I I mentioned that I was watching this movie on Twitter earlier today, and I think it was Phil Rudd said, um, you know, the cast, sometimes a good cast can make a movie better than it has any right to be. And while I can't sit here and say, like, well, this is this movie's better than it has any right to be, because it's a it's a well crafted movie, it's directed really well, it's written really well. The cast is what elevates it to something that I will watch again. Because I just, the performances, I just eat it up. Like a, a well-performed movie in a cast. Again, I'll watch Gary Oldman in anything, but I loved him in this. That toupee, though. Oof. That was bad. Oh, that toupee. That was rough. Oh, that toupee was bad. Like, every time they showed the back of his head, I was <laughs> Yes. Because he just had, he had the little like, baboon. Were, were hair pieces just that bad? Was the technology that bad in the 2000s that they couldn't mm. do anything better? I don't know. I don't know. But, I mean, when you put Gary Oldman, Jeff Bridges, and Sam Elliott into a movie together and they get scenes together, sign me up. And the fact that it took me 20 years to see this is a a travesty is what it is. But I fixed it. You've seen it, but you you brought it it. up. Yeah. So I want to say thank you for that because I don't know if I, when I would have seen this movie if you hadn't mentioned it because it was completely out of my mind. Who talks about this movie anymore? I mean, the, the, the crazy thing is, is that. Even in a time where, like, like this is a time where political thrillers play well, mm-hmm. I never hear anybody talk about The Contender. You know, and they should, because, again, yeah. political thrillers play well. Not only that, but it's about a female vice president getting uh, nominated and confirmed, and we just had our first female vice president elected. Like, this movie, if anything, is more relevant now than it was 20 years ago when it came out. It, it, it holds really well. That speech at the end, mm. somebody could give that speech in Congress right now Ooh. and it would it would play. That it would whole, play oh, it man, would play would it ever. Like that whole idea of 
you have to be super you have to be extremely petty to get power but you have to be uh, a great person to wield power and it's rare to get the two of them together like that that whole speech is so good it, that's worth the movie that's worth the two hour runtime to watch that last scene it's was he before american president no no, no, no american no. president was mid 90s yeah and and so there's a to me there's a parallel there in the way that they close out those movies because the American president closes out um with a great speech that is similar. Okay. It's got some same notes um to this. I I'd, I'd be interested to know if if the American president was a movie that Rod Lurie thought about when he was writing this movie. I, that would be interesting to, to hear because I did. Um, one of the trivia bits was that the idea for the film came to Rod Lurie when he, he was actually presenting Joan Allen an award and just made a joke about, you know, I need to, I need to write a movie for you to, to win another award. And she's like, I'd read that script. And he went back and wrote it. Now, whether or not that's true, that's a pretty cool story, but it does lend to you know the idea that uh, she was the first choice for this. DreamWorks didn't want her. It was apparently DreamWorks' first choice for the the role was Michelle Pfeiffer. I think she would be good, but in a different way. You know the problem I think you'd have with Michelle Pfeiffer is that. She is too there's a level of of sexiness that comes with Michelle Pfeiffer that I don't think works well for the role. It probably it, doesn't it, based on the way like especially with the way Joan Allen plays it, because she she does have she does carry herself well, she does have that uh that sexiness to her, but it's not overt. In like, the way that I, it would be. Michelle Pfeiffer, I think Scarface. Yeah. And <laughs> it's kind it's kind of like it's kind of like I don't think you could have casted Sharon Stone. No. In this movie. No. And 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 that is not because Sharon Stone does not have the acting chops mm -hmm. to to play the role. I just think like she's got a she has an existing body of work that I think makes it hard for an audience to see. Yes. It's it, in order for somebody like a Sharon Stone or even Michelle Pfeiffer to play this role and and have a general audience get behind it, the performance has to go even beyond uh, maybe a level where Joan Allen does because a lot of people are going to come into it with preconceived notions, right? Um, well. And that's going to be the hard part. Plus, I don't know that either one of them can carry the the um, like the gravitas or the the idea of being a senator the way that Joan Allen does in this movie. Because I believe right from the get-go that she's a sitting senator. She is. I think Stone can. I think Stone uh, can now or within the last, say, 10 to 15 years, but I don't know if 20 years ago she could have. Yeah, that's a, that's a fair point. It's hard, it's, it's hard to say. I mean, it's always a what-if game, right? Because we, we haven't seen it. And I mean, nobody thinks Bob Odenkirk could play a serious role, and here he is coming up with a movie called Nobody, uh, coming out soon that looks amazing. 
So Sharon Stone plays the vice president in a TV show that was on called Agent X. I don't know if you ever ever heard not, of that. Not familiar with that. Uh, but uh, fairly recent, 2015. Yeah. Okay. Sharon it, Stone. Yep. Is, yeah. yeah. It was only five years ago. Wow. Yeah, it was a pretty good. Uh, it's a pretty good show. Because she's somebody who got a lot better from an acting perspective uh, throughout her career. You know, yeah. everyone knows her from Basic Instincts, but that's a different. Th- there's a difference to her in in Total Recall or Basic Instinct than there is to what she's become as she an did actor. Not know she was in Total Recall, and I was listening to a podcast the other day, and they were talking about. Uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. They were the podcast was about Terminator Two, mm. and they were talking about how Total Recall was the next movie he did. And Sharon Stone was. I was like, Sharon Stone was in Total Recall. Yep. But yeah, I mean, when it comes down to it, like, check out Contender, hundred yeah. percent. I, I and you can watch it on any of the services. Rent it. It's it's absolutely worth it. And right now, I just think it's 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 a movie that needs to be seen more. Because of what you mentioned, people don't talk about it. And that's unfortunate because it's got a lot to say, but it's also, it makes makes sense in our current climate to catch something like this and see, oh, look, we were talking about this stuff 20 years ago and it hasn't really gotten much better. It's a $4 rental on iTunes. That's yep. that's where I watched it again this morning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, uh, I watched it on Amazon Prime. Same same thing, four bucks. Totally worth it. But uh I want to say thanks. Thanks for bringing this movie to my attention, uh, bringing it back into the conversation and getting me to watch it. It was awesome. It's always a pleasure having you on. We've, we've had you on a couple more, you know, a couple times now I got to show you some stuff you hadn't seen. Now you get to do the same for me. It's pretty cool. Um, did you ever watch those mission impossible movies? (sighs) Yes. Okay. Yes, I did. Um, and damn, (laughs) (laughs) that's all I can say. Um, but yeah, I did, I did finally watch those. So you do a show on video games, uh, with a couple other uh, friends of this show. So when is that one? Let people know. So we record on Mondays. We just changed our time to, uh, to eight 30. Okay. So it's myself and, uh, Diddy. Diddy does games. Diddy was in the chat earlier. I don't know if he's still around and, um, and cross, buddy alex we do a show about gaming from the perspective of uh fathers who don't necessarily have a lot of time <laughs> and it's a <laughs> to good play show. a lot of games but, but we uh we try we try to play as much as we can and we try to talk about the current events in gaming um from a lot of different perspectives so if uh if you want to if you want to check us out mondays we uh we record and, and stream here on trip on, on that on Twitch at eight thirty, uh, under Alex Albisu. Yep, and that's so called twitch.com slash Alex Albisu. Yep, and that show is called Joystick and Mouse. And the the episode you just did on kind of inclusivity and representation in games was really cool. By the way, I really enjoyed Thanks. that. So yeah, I try to catch the show whenever I can. I but I definitely listen every week because you guys have. I like the perspectives and the fact that. You're all dads, but at different stages of being a dad. And yeah, so you get yeah. the different perspectives of that, which I think is really cool. So I'm trying to get to Diddy's stage. I'm trying to get, <laughs> trying to get Will, Will into that, to that, to that grown area. And Alex is, Alex is just beginning. Yep. 
he he is. He'll he'll learn. He'll have all the pitfalls and and everything you guys have been through. But yeah, yeah. it's a good show. Definitely check that one out. Well, thank you. Um, now next week I've got episode number ninety nine coming up, and uh, my movie. I'm gonna have Paige from the Reverie True Crime podcast on, and she has never seen the movie. Where'd it go? Frailty, with uh, directed by Bill Paxton, starring Matthew McConaughey, uh, came out in uh, 2001, and I really like this movie. It's kind of a a thriller sort of has some horror elements not really there's there's questions of if there's demonic possession going on or not um but it was directed by bill paxton which i thought was pretty cool and so that's that's coming up and then uh after that will be uh, our big episode number 100 and i've got a fun one that i'm gonna wait and make everybody everybody's gotta wait at least one more week before i announce what movie we're watching Ooh. for episode 100 but it'll be it'll be one that will surprise a few people i think so Looking that's what's coming up. Hearing what that is, yeah. So that's what's coming up on this show. Uh, I record every Sunday night uh, at Twitch.tv/tvstravis around eight o'clock Eastern time. So if you want to be like Diddy, or Danny Ora, or Phil Rudd, Steve, um, Stephen from Horseshoes and Hand Grenades is in the chat room. Come on by, hang out, yell at us while we're chatting. While we're chatting away, I read everything. I don't always respond, um, but I definitely read it all. And then the show comes out on uh, Wednesdays as a podcast. You can catch it uh, anywhere you find podcasts. And if you do subscribe, uh, if you can take a minute and go to uh, you know Apple Podcasts or something and leave a review or even just a, just the star review, that helps to make the show more discoverable. So it's a, it's a great way to help out. Um, but yeah, join. Come on back next week for Frailty because I think that's one that's going to surprise a few people. Um, it wasn't. It doesn't get the kind of like this movie doesn't get the the notoriety that it deserves, but I think it's better than than people think. Um, and again, directed by Bill Paxton, so you know I I was pleasantly surprised the first time I saw it. So I'm looking forward to talking to a true crime podcaster about a movie that sort of has some true crime elements to it. Um, but that's gonna be next week on Wait You Haven't Seen. And until then, um, remember to enjoy your movies. And it's 2021. Let's be excellent to each other. Pardon my Swahili, but you're being led a line of pure bullshit. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs>